Good morning, church. How are you going? Good, Melbourne. Good morning, Melbourne East. Great to see you guys. You're looking so well. Oh, a little prop has come up here. Can you see that? Can you see that in Melbourne on the screen? There we go. You can see it now. It's a table. I don't have a pulpit. This is going to be interesting. It's all good. All right. I'm working it out. Hey, it's great to be with you. Uh, great to have our on- online location with us as well. And it is Vision Sunday for our church. And so before I even kick off, I just want to pray, and then we're going to get into the Word of God and talk about some exciting things that we've got ahead for this year. So Father, we thank you that this is your church, that Jesus, you said you would build your church, and we thank you for the privilege of co-laboring with you in building your church. Lord, we commit our year to you. We commit our ways to you. We commit all that we do to you. We pray that you would move in our midst, that you would come, that you would help us, that you would help us to make disciples. Lord, that you would change each one of us day by day, step by step. And we pray it in the mighty name of Jesus. And everybody said, amen, amen. Amen. All right, if you're standing, sit, sit down in Melbourne band, you can head off. I do want to say a little shout out to some of the guys who came up for Leaders Big Day Out last weekend from Melbourne. It was awesome to have you here. I want to also just particularly say, was that I have forgiven you for calling me a 55-year-old. So he he stood up and and said I was 55. I'm actually 53. just turned 53. So all is forgiven. That didn't take too long. We love you guys. Who's, a, who's here for your very first Vision Sunday? Give me a wave. If it's your first Vision Sunday at C3 Powerhouse, magnificent. Melbourne, your first, first day, great to have you. It's a great day to come. If it's your first day, it's a great day to come. If you're checking out churches, you want to know uh, what, what this church is all about, you're going to hear a lot about what we all, we're all about. You've already heard from Danielle uh, some of the, the things that we're, we're into that we love to see. Uh, the dream for the decade is something that shapes a lot of what we do. And so every year, I like to say every Sunday is Vision Sunday, but every year we take a Sunday to really focus down on what it is that makes our church tick, why we exist, what, we're, what we feel and sense that we're called to, and then what's the emphasis that God wants us to have this year. So our vision, and if you've been around a while, you've seen this, our vision is to see transformed lives. Uh, you've just baptized in Melbourne three people. I read Shari's testimony of, of her story of coming into church via an online dinner party. That'll fit in really well today uh, to what we're talking about. We've heard here from Ann Bowman about her story and, and how Jesus has healed her after all the damage her son Dan did to her life. It's remarkable. I mean, no, no, just kidding. Jesus has healed her. That would be Des. No, okay, sorry. You're awesome, Ann. We love you. So it's just great to be in a place where we regularly celebrate that God is into transforming lives. He's into changing us uh, from glory to glory. And there's two, two aspects of transformed life that I just want to touch on right now. The first one, if I can read from Galatians chapter 6, verse 15. It doesn't matter whether we've been circumcised or not. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. To become a Jew, you had to get circumcised. Who's glad we're not Jews? Okay, all right, leave that alone. Just leave that alone. This is what he go, Paul says. That's the Old Testament, New Testament. What counts is whether we have been transformed into a new creation. So a transformed life, the, the, here's, here's the thing. The Bible tells us that if anyone puts their faith in Jesus Christ, you become a new creation. We call it being born again. It happens in a moment when you confess your trust in Jesus. And so church is not filled with people trying really hard to be better. 
Church is filled with people who put our trust in Jesus, and he's made us brand new. We are new creations. All right. So that's the first part of transformation. What counts is whether we've been transformed into a new creation. And if you're here this morning and you've never connected with Jesus, you've never experienced the forgiveness that he offers, the peace that he offers, the love that he wants to pour into your heart, whether you're watching online or you're in the room with us, Today's the day to connect with him and let the journey of transformation begin. It is so powerful. There'll be a moment later. We'd love to pray with you. If you've never, you might have gone to church. You might have grown up going to church. But if you've never actually received Christ into your heart, then today's the day and a miracle will happen. You'll be born again, become a new creation. That's the first part of transformation. But then there's another verse I want to read out. It's 2 Corinthians 3, verse 18, and it says this, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into His image. Transformed with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. So this is a second part of transformation. There's the transformation that happens when I become a new creation and born again. Now I've got Jesus on the inside, so I've been transformed. But now I am being transformed into the image of Christ. We're becoming more and more like Jesus. That's what being a transformed life is. So I want you to say this after me. I have been transformed when I was born again. Awesome. That's our true north. That's what we love to see. But say this, I am being transformed into the image of Jesus. Turn to your neighbor and say, there's a bit of work to do. Come on, just a little bit, just a little bit. So if you're not born again, today's the day to get born again. It's our true passion to help people connect with Jesus and be transformed by God coming into their life. But then it doesn't stop. Until we get to heaven, we're being transformed from glory to glory. Now, some of you have been around a while. You used to sing a song that went like, from glory to glory, he's changing me. Who knows it? Changing me, changing me. His likeness and image too perfect in me. Okay, I'll stop. I'll stop because I can see people already walking out of church already. Sorry about that. This is the thing. Transform lives. He's perfecting the image of God in us. It's called, it's, uh, uh, one way to describe it is spiritual formation. The image of Jesus who we're, now he lives on the inside. We have his DNA is being formed in us. It's being transformed. That's what we're all about here at church. That's our vision. Now here's the number one indicator that you are being transformed you're becoming more loving. That's the, that's the number one indicator that you're being transformed. Not that you're memorizing more scripture. That can transform you. But a lot of the Pharisees memorized five books of the Bible. So it's not about a religious ticking the box. It's the work of the Spirit of God and the Word of God and the community of God's people that transforms us. And the number one sign is I'm loving God more. I'm loving my family more. I'm loving my enemies more. I'm just becoming a more loving person because that's who God is. Give me a wave if you've become more loving since you met Jesus. Give me a wave if you've got a little while to go still. Come on, be honest today. All right, I'm in a church full of truthful people. So that's us. By this, Jesus said, will they know that you're my disciples if you have love for one another? Love. 
I won't go. All right, so here we go. Moving along then. So we're part of a a movement called C3, a global movement called C3, uh, led by Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle that began in 1980. And now there's over 600 churches all around the world uh, that that are meeting together in May in Singapore. So Pastor Phil and Chris oversee our church. They visit us regularly. Uh, Danielle and I have the privilege of serving them as exec directors overseeing uh, the the global team with a whole lot of those people. So that's that's us. Uh, Just three, C3 global. Bible has three really distinct focuses. Put the screen up behind me. But that, this is what we're often really uh, center around. The first one is that we're Christ-centered. As a movement, Jesus is our focus. We're about Jesus. We're Christ-centered. Number two is we're Spirit-powered. We're a Pentecostal movement. We believe in the, the moving and the miraculous work of the Holy Spirit, both within and without in every area of life. And we're connect-driven. We're a relational movement. That's our emphasis. That's a prayer meeting in Oh, that's in Spain. Oh, I was at that prayer meeting. That was awesome. Anyway, that's, that's, we have conferences all around the world, so it's phenomenal. Uh, awesome. So that's C3 Global. If you really want to know more about us or you want to get involved, we've got a, a global conference in Singapore in May called The Outpouring, and it's going to be amazing. You're, you are invited to come and join us. So every year what we do, so the vision doesn't change. I'm not here today to stand up and say we're changing the vision. The vision doesn't change. We still want to see lives transformed. We still want to see our friends, families, neighbors, and people of Melbourne and the Sunshine Coast and all around the world online come into faith and knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's our true north. And we still want to create an atmosphere where you and I can be transformed into the image of Christ and be changed. Because as that happens, it affects our whole life. Our family, our work, our health, our emotional world, everything gets transformed. Our purpose, everything. So that doesn't change. But each year what we do do is say, okay, we're gonna, there's going to be a theme this year. There's going to be an emphasis. There's, there's something that we feel that God's speaking to us about. There's something that we want to strengthen in the life of our church. Uh, and so each year, so we, we pray, we ask, we discuss it. And so, you know, we've done things like one, a, a few years ago, let's go deeper into the Word of God. We really want to get uh, believers in our church reading the Bible, understanding the Bible, going deeper. Uh, one year, we, the theme was the year of the party. There was no fasting, and we just felt like God wanted us to, to really emphasize the value of fun and celebration. That was awesome. Someone wants to bring that back. Anyone know that? That's all right. Uh, last year, it was hunger for God. Now, here's the thing. It's not like, oh, yeah, no, we can never have a party. That was the theme five years ago. Right. It's not like this year is not about going deeper in the Word. Right. It's, not, it's not like this year, like last year, like Danielle said, was hunger for God. It's not like... Oh, can't be hungry for God now. That was last year's theme. No, these themes drive foundations and culture in our church deeper and deeper, and then we keep them going and building on them. I loved when Pastor Lars visited our leaders' big day out, and he, he just made a comment afterwards. He said, your church is so hungry for God. I'm like, awesome, because that was a focus and an emphasis for us last year, and we want to keep that, we want to keep that going. We want to weave it into the fabric and the culture of our church. Make sense? So we keep it going. So here's the thing. We'll be hungry for God this year because we'll, we'll keep, we're going to have two 10-day fasts so rather than a 21-day. In fact, we're going to have two 10-day Daniel fasts. Ah, I want to encourage us to have, we'll talk more about it, but this is being creating a hunger for God. One in March, one in July. Okay. Uh, we're going to have quarterly nights of prayer and worship like we did last year. So we'll, we, that was something we added and we'll keep it going because it's that presence of God is beautiful when we pray and worship. 
We'll keep revival prayer going, but there's a slight change that it's going to be fortnightly. So, so essentially, we'll be able to say, hey, guys, this week, all of our connect groups are meeting, which is actually this week. And next week will be revival prayer. So we'll alternate. It's Connect Group Week. It's Revival Prayer Week. It's Connect Group Week. These are things to keep the hunger for God stirring in our church. All right. So this year, we particularly felt like God gave us a verse for the year, a Bible verse. So Melbourne, there's a Bible verse, and I want to read it out to us. And out of it will come our theme, but the overall Bible verse is something that we believe God has for us very clearly. Uh, the, the pretext to it is Acts chapter 2, verse 41, the day of Pentecost. And it says, those who believed when, when, uh, what Peter said were baptized and added to that church that day about 3,000 in all. Wouldn't that be a cool day? I mean, uh, you know, our vision is one day, whether it's this decade or the next day, we'll see 1,000 across a weekend. That's our dream. These guys had 3,000 on the first day of the church being born. Maybe we need to lift our sights a bit higher. But anyway, so this is now a church in revival. The church is on fire. There's a revival happening in the book of Acts. And in the next verse, we find out what a church in revival looks like. Because sometimes we go, oh, if we have revival, does that mean we're out seven nights of the week with five-hour prayer meetings until midnight? It'll be exhausting. We don't want revival. But revival is an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that leads to a particular pattern which we'll find in our verse for the year. It's Acts chapter 2, verse 42. Let's have a look at it together. It says this, All the believers, everybody say all. all. Good job, Melbourne, I can hear you. All the believers devoted themselves, say devoted themselves, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals, including the Lord's Supper, and to prayer. This Bible verse gives us an indication of the emphasis and the priority of the New Testament church. And then this theme runs all through the letters of Paul, all through the New Testament. And so there's a few things I want you to note. It was they devoted themselves. They weren't dragged into it. They weren't made to do it. There wasn't a rule. When they got filled with the Holy Spirit, something on the inside of them caused them to be devoted to these four things. And I want to I say it this particular way. This is disciples of Jesus. I've got a little screen that we'll put up there. Disciples of Jesus are devoted to these things. They're devoted to the Word of God. That's what the apostles' teaching was. They didn't have a New Testament, so they had the apostles' teaching. So a disciple of Jesus, a fully devoted disciple of Jesus, is devoted to one, the Word of God. This is how you become a great disciple. Number two, they're devoted to the people of God. Right. You can't be a Christian on your own, right. effectively. Yes. A disciple is devoted to God's people. The third thing is they're devoted to the presence of God. The presence of God is experienced through prayer and through worship. So this was the, the devotion of the early church. And then right in the center, because they said they had fellowship and meals, but regularly they would have communion and remember the Lord's, what Jesus had did at the cross. The center of all of their fellowship was remembering the cross. So if you're a, if you're a disciple of Jesus, then this is a good thing to ask. Am I devoted to the Word? Am I devoted to God's people? Am I devoted to the presence of God through prayer and worship? And is the cross central to all I believe in? So this is the theme we'll continue, and you, you can see, okay, so a couple of years ago, our theme was Deeper in the Word. That's one of those devotions. Last year, our, our, our emphasis was hunger, hunger for God. That's the presence of God. That's last year. So this year, we're meeting in the middle around 
uh, our theme, and it's going to be called uh, Devoted to Hospitality. Devoted to Hospitality. Okay. All right. So let's talk a little bit about what this means like. I've done this little study on being devoted to hospitality. And it's, it's, I mean, we, know, we already know God's a pretty significant coffee drinker because he does have a whole book of the Bible talking about it. He brews. Come on, that's not too bad. That, that's, that's the warm-up kind of vibe. I just a side note, I did read about the shortest man ever in history. He was one of Job's friends. You know why he was the shortest man? His name was Bildad the Shoe Height. It's like a, a shoe height to oh, okay, all right, sorry. All right, thank you, Isaac. I appreciate the groans coming from everybody. Let's go. Being devoted, all right, the Greek word for being devoted literally means that you are earnest towards it persevering diligently and constantly towards something. So when you're devoted, you're earnestly pursuing it. It's something, it's something that's coming from within. It's not, just, it's not just you're being forced to. It's something that you're committing yourself to. So you can be devoted to all sorts of things. I know some people devoted to home and away. Cannot be out of the house at 7 o'clock at night. Have to watch it. Can't miss home and away. I know some people who are devoted to their, their football team. In a miracle, Melbourne East, Pastor Danielle just mentioned she's considering changing from New South Wales to Queensland instead of Orange because she's lived here longer. It's, this is like one of the greatest miracles that's happened in my life to date. It's amazing. And she said it publicly. Praise God. You can be, you can be devoted to your job in an unhealthy way. You can be devoted to your family in a healthy way. So when God calls us to be devoted, it's not that we're addicted to. It's not, a, it's not like an unhealthy addiction that you've you got no power over. It's not a, you're not controlled to it. It's a response of the heart because of the goodness of Jesus that we respond to him and say, Lord, we want to be devoted to the things that are important to you. So this is devoted. So the New Testament church, they were, they were devoted to hospitality. Let me just read a couple of verses. When God's people are in need, Paul says in Romans, be ready to help them. Always be eager to practice hospitality. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other. Remember, we're devoted to God's people. Deep love to each other. For love covers a multitude of sin. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. Last year, my key verse, I've discovered something about God that's quite fascinating, and it's about food, and it's about the table, it's about, it's about breaking bread and, and sharing, a, a, sharing the juice or the wine, which is remembering what Jesus did. There's just, I'll read this because it's, it's impacted me quite deeply. There's something profoundly spiritual about sharing a meal together. I'm going to take you on a little journey in a moment, but I want you to get this today. There is something profoundly spiritual about sharing a meal together. Revelation 3.20, Jesus to the church who's gone lukewarm and, and lost their love. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and we will share a meal together as friends. What a thought that Jesus' greatest desire for Christians, his children, who can lose their first love, is that he wants to come into our heart, and the analogy of fellowship or intimacy that he uses is sharing a meal. There's something spiritually profound 
about sharing a meal together. When God, cre- when God uh, first visited the Israelites in the wilderness and he said, uh, Moses, he gave him the law and then he said, I-, I want you to build me a tabernacle because I want to come and live among you. I don't want to be distant. I don't want to be on a mountain. I want to come and live among you. So he gave them the instructions to build a place where God would meet. And he said, here's the ark, the ark of my presence. And here's a mercy seat between cherubim that I'll sit on, where God literally would come and meet with Moses. And he would come and he would sit on a seat, uh, the mercy, because it was the mercy of God. It was covered in the blood of the lamb so that it would, people would be uh, able to come in and to meet with God. And what did he put? Once the, the, the ark was there with a mercy seat and angels over, overlooking, what did he ask them to put in in that holy of holies a table he said i want you to put a table in front of me because i want to fellowship with you and i want you to put 12 loaves of bread on the table because these loaves one for every tribe of israel because they reflect my intimacy with you and every Sabbath day, the priests would bake fresh bread. Come on, who smells? Who loves the smelling of fresh bread? Fresh bread, get that right. And Caleb's a, a cook here of fresh bread. He loves his sourdough. I love my sourdough. And they would bring in the fresh bread as an offering to God, but it would be changed. You know what they called the bread? It was called the bread of his presence, but it was literally called the bread of his face. That's what it literally meant. So when God was coming to meet with his people on mercy with his presence, then he made sure that the way he would meet was through a table and through bread and through a meal. There's something profoundly spiritual about sharing a meal together. Let me just take you a little bit further. So the, the table became the, the key component of the, the temple when Solomon built it. And then God commanded that three times a year there be f- seven-day feasts of food and party and celebration, remembering the goodness of God. He knows we wander off so easily. So he said, keep coming and remembering. He, he goes on. And so when David writes, Psalm, when they got out of, out of Egypt, he said, guys, I want you every year to have a feast to eat roast lamb. Come on, roast lamb brings generations together. We know it if you've seen that ad. How good is that ad? Brings the generation gap. To any, anyone know what I'm talking about? Okay, thank you. Brings the generations together. So they would have a, every year, they'd have in the middle of one of the feasts, they'd have lamb roast to remember the sacrifice that God had made to get them out as a foreshadow that one day Jesus would be the sacrifice that would deliver us from our uh, slavery to sin. Then David writes in Psalm 23, God's my shepherd, I shall not want, the Lord's my shepherd. What does he do? What is one of the ways he shows me that he's looking after me? He prepares a, a table. Oh my gosh. God is so into tables. He's, he's like, it's really weird. He doesn't prepare a pulpit before you. He prepares a table before you. We're in the presence of your enemies. So this, this meeting together across a table is so symbolic of, of something significant of fellowship with God and then ultimately with each other. When Jesus comes... He does miracles to make sure that the, the party continues. He turns water into wine so that there's a, that's his first miracle so that the table can keep going, the celebration can keep going. He, provi- he t- turns bread and fish and multiplies it twice. Why? Because he wanted people to be fed. 
there's something profoundly spiritual about sharing a meal together. Something profoundly spiritual. Jesus, uh, John chapter 13, verse 17, which is the most, it's the most richest dialogue that Jesus had with his disciples, and it was around a table. He says this in uh, Luke 22, 14 to 16. When Jesus arrived at the upper room, he took his place at the table along with all the apostles. And then he told them, I have longed with passion and desire to eat the Passover lamb with you before I endure my sufferings. Jesus longs and desires to sit at the table with us and for us to sit at the table with one another. When Je- I'm going to keep going because this is really helpful. When Jesus uh, was risen from the dead, he walked along a road with two guys from Emmaus who were dis- disappointed disciples. And he told them and he opened up the, the word and he preached the Bible to them. But it wasn't in the preaching of the Bible that they realized that he was the son of God. They didn't, his revelation didn't come as Jesus himself preached the word. You know when revelation came? Joining them at the table for supper, he took bread, blessed it, broke it and gave it to them. And all at once their eyes were opened and they realized it was Jesus. There's something powerful about the breaking of bread, representative of Jesus' body broken for us. There's something powerful about meals that God has for us. In fact, God says, I'm storing up for you the the marriage supper of the Lamb. So when when Jesus talks about uh, one day when we go to heaven and the the world ends, the biggest picture, apart from being judged for the way we've lived, is there's going to be a big banquet. There's going to be a big feast which is kind of good news because that means there's food in heaven. Hopefully without plumbing, said all the plumbers, so you don't have to do that job anymore. Hopefully calorie-free food. Come on. Hopefully eat good but doesn't put any weight on. Hopefully it's amazing. We know because when Jesus rose from the dead, he ate food. So we know we're going to eat food with our resurrected bodies. I think that's good news. Who says that's good news? All right. That's cool. In fact, it was the thing that Jesus did when his disciples were distant from him to, to restore them to him was he cooked them fish on the beach for breakfast. There's something profoundly spiritual about sharing a meal together. And so the New Testament church, they were renowned for sharing meals together. They called it love feasts. And in the middle of their feast, in the middle of their meals and common food and big potluck dinners where everyone would bring food and share, right in the middle of it, they would pause and break bread and drink juice and reflect on what Jesus had done for them at the cross. And so it wasn't just a backyard barbie, mate. It was a backyard barbie, mate, with Jesus in the middle. It was sacred hospitality. And so our theme for this year is that we would be a a church who are devoted to hospitality, that we would demonstrate the love of God to one another and to the lost through hospitality. And so we're going to talk more and more about this, but I want to to get really practical right now, all right, because some of you are foodies. I mean, who knew God was a foodie? God's a foodie. I mean, there's food everywhere. It's, it's It's his love language. It's like, it's amazing. Some of you are foodies and some of you are happy to eat what somebody else prepares. Some of you are just waiting to get KFC on the way home from church. So good. All right. So I want to help you because I believe it's the heart of God 
that not just a few people, but the whole church would practice hospitality with one another. Now, I know, okay, I know that there's some exceptions. Some of you share houses with other people and you can't just ask people home, so your hospitality is probably out at a coffee shop. I get that. And sometimes hospitality is going out to a restaurant for a meal, and that's awesome. But really, when the Bible talks about hospitality, it's talking about having people in your home, having people over to your place. So just three, three really simple, simple, practical things about being devoted to hospitality. Number one, take the pressure off being a master chef. The number one ingredient in your hospitality is not going to be olive oil. It's not going to be sugar, although I do love that. It's going to be love. The number one ingredient in hospitality is love. This is what the Bible says. and I, I, I went through a few versions to find one that you could all handle. Proverbs 15, 17 says this, Better is a bread crust shared in love than a slab of prime rib served in hate. <sighs> Another version says, better are vegetables with a friend than, than meat before us. It tells me also God's a meat lover, which is magnificent. But even better than that, he is a love lover. Better is it to have some sourdough with Vegemite and butter where there's love than a juicy sirloin steak where there's hate. Now, what will top both of those things is a juicy sirloin steak and love. If you can combo those together, that's magnificent. Wow, biggest applause we got all here today, Sunny Coast, Melbourne, I don't know about you guys. So, simple's good. You know what? Maybe you're going to learn the skill of hospitality this year. Learn the heart of it. Open your home and have people over. And don't do it, don't not do it because you're not a good cook. Tim Tams and a cup of tea is awesome with love. Come on, a barbecue chicken with hot chips on a bun is awesome with love. Come on, preach. Who wants? I'm starting to get hungry now. I'm going to preach us all hungry today. But I want you to take somebody home with you. Don't just, don't just go home and take someone, come over. Tell you bring the buns, I'll get the chicken. You guys get the chips. I mean, if you're starting out in hospitality, salad's optional. Let's all be real about it. If you haven't started there, it's just optional. If you're under 40, salad's optional. We all know that. You don't have to be Master Chef Sharon Dimon to have people over in your home, all right? It's, it's good if you are. Pizza's great. Takeaway. I mean, for years, Danielle and I will, will do on a Sunday night, have people over and just get Thai food. Share it, share it and hang out. Sausages on the barbie on a piece of bread with tomato sauce is great hospitality. What do we call that? A banger on a sanger. I think that's what we call that. Okay, so simple. Number two. Biblical hospitality is inclusive of new people. So, okay, the world will have their friends over for meals. So it's not a big deal for you to have your friends over for meals. That's cool. Go for it. Have at it. That's awesome. Do it as often as you can. But Christian hospitality is where we're inclusive of people we don't know. So Paul writes in Hebrews 13, 1 and 2, keep on loving each other as brothers and sisters. Don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For some who have done this have entertained angels 
without realizing, I don't know what that would look like. I'm pretty sure they'd have a big appetite. Not sure. I don't know. If an angel turns up to your place, I feel like I'd have a little bit of an idea, but showing hospitality to new people to church, people who you don't know, people who just need to be included. Is there room at your table? Can you have an open heart? Church, this is what I want to ask you, not just a few, but can all of us say we're going to have an open heart and an open home in 2024 as we get devoted to hospitality? Last thing here is you just got to, just got to plan it in. You just got to, uh, if you wait until you're feeling it, this is, this is our learn. We just go, well, what, what's, a, what's some good times in the week to have people over to our home? Is it straight after church on a Sunday? Awesome. Sunday night. Awesome. Is it before we have connect group? Come over to our place. Fantastic. What is it? For one year, we said Tuesday nights is our our night. We're going to invite someone over every Tuesday night. We'd have them around our table with our families. Such a great culture for your family if you've got kids to get used to having people around. We both grew up in that sort of home, Danielle and I. Fun fact. Fun fact. When Danielle's family moved to to, to Toowoomba from the Blue Mountains where she grew up, my parents uh, invited the Grant family over, didn't know them that well, invited them over because they were new, and that's just what they knew Christians did. They didn't, their family's a big family. Our family's quite big. We didn't, so we didn't fit in the, the kitchen where the dining table was. We took over the lounge room and we put tables together. And I remember distinctly, I didn't know who Danielle was at that point. I was friends with her brothers. I remember distinctly the whole family sitting around the lounge room and laughing and joking and welcoming them to Queensland. Fun fact. Then she ends up being my wife. And we get to share hospitality together. You don't know what's going to happen when you open up your home. You don't know what the, the long-term effects of being a person who's devoted to hospitality. You'll find, even if you're a raging introvert, as Pastor Ebony told us recently, as a raging introvert, you'll find having people in your home and treating them with love and being generous towards them is energizing. So if you plan it ahead and commit to it rather than waiting till you feel it, you'll find it's powerful. So I want to, this is what I want to ask us as we start this theme this year, church. I'm going to ask you to think right now, could you make a commitment to be devoted to hospitality in 2024? For some of you, you could make a commitment to fortnightly have someone in your home. I'm talking outside of friends. Maybe some, someone could just go, I could do that every month. I could open up my home every month to have someone in my home. Or, if circumstances are different, go out for a coffee or whatever with them. So I'm going to ask you just to think about it right now. Could you jump on board with this biblical devotion in 2024? I'm going to ask in a moment, whether it's a weekly commitment, a fortnightly commitment, or a monthly commitment, I'm just going to ask you if you can say, yeah, I'm going to do that. I'm going to open my home for that. I'm just going to ask you, Melbourne, here to raise your hand and say, I'm in. I'm going to be devoted to hospitality in 2024. Would you close your eyes? Father, help us, anoint us, open our hearts to this, I pray. Help us to have your heart, sacred hospitality. So while your eyes are closed and you're thinking about this, if you can commit on a regular basis to have others in your home, and be devoted to hospitality this year. Regular, could be weekly, fortnightly, monthly, whatever works for you. Can you just raise your hand and say, okay, I'm in. I can do that. We can embrace that. 
Awesome. Melbourne, just raise your hand real high. I'm, I'm not, we're not going to, it's not a matter of following this up. This is just you saying, yeah, I'm going to embrace this culture. I'm going to ask God to move with us to have people in our home. Magnificent. So many people. Father, anoint us. Let there be holy, sacred moments as we gather around the table. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Fantastic. C3 Powers, Melbourne East. It's been awesome being with you this morning. I'm going to release you back to the team there right now. God bless you. Have a great day.